Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders in their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to help them create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. I'm delighted that we are joined today with um, by Robin Lincoln Wood to talk about his latest book, Synergize, 21st Century Leaders. Dr. Wood is a renowned strategist, futurist, communicator, and agent of transformation. He spent three decades working at board level with the world's largest organizations in 35 countries on four continents. He's deeply skilled in designing and catalyzing major shifts in large-scale systems and in inspiring and empowering the teams that deliver them. Robin's mission is to catalyze and support leaders, organizations, and innovations that co-create a thriving global future. He is a keynote speaker, consultant to leaders, and the founder and leader of the Thriveability Foundation and Consortium. Dr. Wood is the inventor of Thriveability and author of several award-winning books. He's been a fellow at the Center for Management Development at the London Business School and the Institute of Coherence and Emergence in the U.S. So the goal of this show, I want the Voice America series to provide valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders that will enhance their skills, build their success, and ultimately help them be wiser leaders, preparing them and their organizations in a time of dramatic change to, to face and navigate these changes. The more effective leaders we have, the better the journey to the future is. Also, I want to invite our global audience to find ways to work together peacefully and effectively across borders and boundaries. In addition to sharing models and experiences, I invite you to find one thing in every weekly segment that you can put into practice in your leadership. And that can either be an activity that you change or a conversation you have with someone else. Um, So think about this. Uh, When was the last time you changed a leadership behavior to respond to the dynamic environment you work in and or when was the last time you changed your mindset or the way you think about leadership? For those who listen regularly, I hope the answer is this week. But for those who are listening for the first time, the invitation is um, to look for ways to innovate or update how you lead. So today's session is with Robin. As a futurist and leadership scholar, Robin has worked for decades um, dedicated to understanding how leaders develop and transform themselves, their organizations, their communities, and ultimately the world to be more thriving. So today we're going to explore his la- latest book, Synergize, Leadership for the 21st Century. So Robin, before we jump into this, this is your sixth book, I believe. Can you give us a bit of an overview? Yeah, well, thanks, Maureen. Yes, it, it's uh, my sixth book and probably 
uh, the one I'm proudest of today, simply because I've managed to compress an awful lot that, you know, having written another five into one book and uh, basically into four chapters that are very self-explanatory. The book's 300 pages with 80 color diagrams. So it's, um, it's designed to be very accessible to all people at all levels of leadership. Now, uh, in the four chapters, we ask four questions. So the first question is why we must, why must we become 21st century leaders and synergize? So we go into the concepts of synergize, why that's important. We'll talk a bit about that later. We talk a bit about the, uh, the good and the bad news, which uh, we're facing in the 21st century. I'm sure everybody's got a long list of bad news that they could come up with right now. But the point is that there's an amazing amount of good news that you never hear about. And so one of the objectives of the book was to frame that in a way that everybody could access it and simplify the incredible uh, chaos almost that's occurring daily, I think, in the lives of most leaders, uh, if, if not just Joe Average. So that's chapter one. Uh, then from chapter one, we, we having explained that and engaged people to say, well, uh, gee, I, 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 yeah, I should be doing this. I should be understanding this. In chapter two, we go into a bit of a, uh, a recap of where we came from. It's called Why We Can. So we recap four areas of our evolution. And uh, we look at the way in which we've developed certain capabilities over those four eras. We're now in the transition from era three, which is modernism, to era four, which doesn't really have a name yet, right? Uh, but we, some people call it the Anthropocene. And we know that business as usual isn't cutting it in the Anthropocene. So the question is, not only how do you handle your own transition in this shift between eras, a great shift, but also how do you develop your organization and your opportunities in your marketplace uh, given the chaos? I like to use the example of a, a lightning rod. So if you're on purpose and you understand what the, your own purpose is and the purpose of your business is, and it's unique social responsibilities and contribution, then you can basically turn all of that static and noise and chaos, like, like the energy that a lightning rod captures from a thunderstorm, and drive that as energy into your business and direction. Uh, so that then takes us into chapter three, which is basically uh, an exploration of uh, what we must. So it's good to know why, it's good to know why we can and why we must, but we have to know what is it that the opportunities I'm talking about, what are they? I mean, so I simplify that all as a journey in six pathways to 2050. And each of these pathways exemplifies one or more capitals, which you may or may not be familiar with the, uh, the capitals framework, but it's becoming a global framework now for understanding how we can regenerate business. And, and key key capitals, like natural capital, for example. <clears throat> then finally, we go to chapter four, which is how we can. So some of the things we might talk about today, if we have the time, will focus on, well, what are the frameworks that can enable me to simplify this and actually do what, what this guy's saying, which is, hey, I can take all this seeming energy and chaos and use a lightning rod to capture that energy and energize myself and my business through that through being on purpose and being, being clear about where we want to go in the future. So that's, 
that's a bit of an overview of the book. It's a slightly long-winded one, but that's, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> so this book was written um, to be more accessible for people whose, whose work is not understanding your work and mine. It's for people doing jobs to help them be more effective in their work. Exactly. It, it was written, I'll tell you who I had in mind when I wrote this. Um, it was MBA students. Okay. Uh, so it get- and millennials. And the millennials. Oh, interesting. So you give, you said 80 color diagrams and 300 pages? Yep. So, so yep, you give a life. lot of, okay, go ahead. On the ground examples. We've okay. got pockets of the future and the present, nuggets, the nuggets, the things that people go, hey, look, they're doing that. That's really cool. How did they do that? So, again, I, wa- I want to make the distinction because a lot of your work as a, as a PhD has been theoretical in nature, and this is translating that very robust and well-researched theory into applied practical content that an MBA student, an emerging leader, or an experienced leader can pick up and put into practice immediately in their work. Yeah, I mean, when you look at a millennial on a on a with their thumbs uh, flashing on a phone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you you realize that 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 in a d- ancient history is like yesterday, right? Um, what's what's between their thumbs is reality, uh, and millennials have have the responsibility for dealing with the situation. The baby boomers, uh, Generation X and Generation Y, have left them, right? We've left them with. Uh, a pretty big mess, but also some amazing opportunities. And I know that they're very, very worried about this. It's just We'll talk a bit about that later in Project Synergize. But um, the fact is that unless we can help the you and them, you and me, our generation can help those people get a grip on how they're going to uh, address those challenges and also access those opportunities, um, we're actually failing in our duty as leaders as well. So We're to me, to me, that's the ultimate test. Can you make it really simple? And the answer is yes. I've achieved that, which I'm really proud of. B, can you make it exciting and energizing? Mm-hmm. That's that's also hard because yeah, tweets. You know, every just look at the tweeter in chief right now. We, I mean, people are living in this stream of consciousness, right? And you've got to get their attention and get them to focus as a leader. Wow. Let alone yourself, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I want to go back to something you said. What is simple for you is not simple for the average person or even for the intelligent person. So, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming this is still MBA-level content. Well, you don't have to have an MBA. I mean, I'm, I'm working, I'm deliberately working with um, a millennial who's coaching me. <laughs> I love like. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his name is George. He lives in Berlin. He listened to a speech I gave three years ago in, in Budapest at a conference of 500 people. Uh, he, he, he thought, yeah, damn it. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm turning to the late 20s. I'm going to think of having a child, which now his wife's pregnant. When, oh, wow. my kids, when my kid's my age, what's the world going to be like in 2050? Is there going to be a future for my child? I have, to, I have two 20-year-olds as well, a 21-year-old daughter turning, well, she just turned 21, yeah, and a son who's just turning 23. 
And wow, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. You know, uh, that's their future we're talking about right now, their life. Well, and, you know, this is an interesting topic that I realize is not in our agenda for today, but the idea that many people look at millennials and are concerned, um, and I like the idea that it's our responsibility to help create the future that is also our future, instead of pointing and saying, we don't like what they're doing or we're concerned, it's really what are their gifts and what are they bringing to our planet that hasn't been present in the same way and how do we all move forward yeah and i i think it's it's quite shameful of boomers and generation xers to start blaming millennials for being the way they are because essentially a generation is uh formed by its its leadership yeah and cynics if you have a cynical uh dismissive couldn't care less kind of leadership. I'm doing an accent, which I can't help, but Alec Baldwin does it much better than I do. <laughs> uh, and it just makes you feel depressed because, you know, um, it's not that great. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, you, can, you can give up, right? You go, oh, oh screw that. And uh, why should I bother, right? Nobody else is, huh? Uh, and, and so, you know. Let's answer, let's go to a question quickly before we go to break. Um, sure. Why do leaders need to focus on synergized innovation to become thrivable, not just sustainable to be successful? Okay. Well, uh, the book makes this very clear, but the synergy is, is a fundamental principle of evolution. I'm just going to read you a paragraph uh, from the book, which, which accompanies a, a nice diagram. It says this. So, the headline is evolution is driven by the synergies of diversification and integration, creating more complex and conscious wholes. So that's the basic principle, right? Um, and that's what makes life interesting because you, you're, you are yourself evolving as a person and a leader, right? Your organization is evolving. Your top team is evolving. And so is your marketplace and, and, and all your stakeholders. So let's just take a step back from the, the hurly burly. I look at this to say, um, I, th- I thought I heard somebody clapping there, um, but uh, I presume that, <laughs> that was premature clapping. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I'm not going to read this. So it says, modern evolutionary biology suggests that life evolves by a process of diversification and subsequent integration of diversity through collaboration. As the focus shifts from individuals and individual species as the unit of survival in the collective of life, its complex dynamic interactions and relationships, we begin to see that collaborative and symbiotic patterns and interactions are of more fundamental importance than competition as a driving force of evolution. Life's key strategy to create conditions conducive to life is to optimize the system as a whole, rather than maximizing only some parameters of the system for a few at the detriment of the many. So this really then gets to the idea that our modern compete-to-win system will not carry us forward in a way that is required to be as optimally successful as a society. Totally. The, in fact, the, 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 all of the examples, the amazingly successful examples I give in, in Synergize, are based on 
what I'd call uh, wax on the side of the head, you know, left field things that nobody expected. Because today, in a chaos environment, which we are living in, uh, where things are pretty unpredictable, if not totally unpredictable, uh, we cannot begin to understand where the next breakthrough is going to come from, right? And what's going to put out, us out of business next week or next year or five years from now? So the only strategy you can use to deal with that, to, to um, thrive on that chaos, as Tom Peters put it back in 1988, I think it was, <laughs> a long time ago, is to actually you know, deploy the principles I've laid out in Synergize and, and previous books. But I really brought it all together and you know, into a couple of frameworks that I think we've got, a, we've got so many management frameworks. It's in, incredible. And people telling us how to do this and how to do that, startups, this, innovate, that and creative culture change, la, la, la. I thought we've got to actually simplify this for people because we're being overwhelmed by management fads and, and, and uh, you know, fly-by-night kind of things that come and go. And, and nobody knows really what, what is management today. You know, ask an MBA to tell you what management is. I, I, I haven't heard any terribly convincing answers that anybody's cracked the problem of how to manage in this environment. So... This is an attempt to make it simple. Let me put it that way. Okay, so after break, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about what that looks like because I love the idea that we are in an environment where what happens tomorrow is not even predictable. Uh, Some of us get a little closer than others, and yet understanding that we are in, in a time that is chaotic and those who are most successful are the ones who have mastered the ability to, to thrive in that chaotic context. Does that capture absolutely. it? Okay, we will, absolutely. Okay, we will be back momentarily. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. You're joining Maureen Metcalf and Dr. Robin Lincoln-Wood talking about his latest book, Synergize, Leadership for the 21st Century. And Robin, before we went on break, you were talking about chaos and helping leaders, providing uh, frameworks that are accessible for a broad range of leaders from millennials to, I'm assuming, uh, baby boomers and, and all of us in between that allows us to navigate more effectively in a time of chaos. Can you build on what you were talking about before? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so here, here's the key thing, that, that the concept of synergy and why I call the book Synergize uh, embraces um, a way of being generative that, that, that we need to each become in, in generative in this way. Because you can't get synergy, which is a one plus one equals three kind of effect, like two molecules of hydrogen, one molecule of oxygen, produce water that comes out of the exhaust of a, a Toyota a hydrogen car, which I was amazed to drive the other uh, few months ago. Um, you know, but, but isn't that incredible? I mean, we're producing water out of the tailpipe of a car. That's synergy, but it's physical synergy. Then there's biological synergy, right? So um, guess what? Male and female apparently opposites, right? But, but without male and female, we wouldn't get synergy. We wouldn't get a newborn uh, creature in any species. Uh, and so it goes up, up the ladder. So as we, as we see the diversity of what we have in our workforce and our marketplaces today, we realize that the power of synergy is the greatest, most generative thing we can work with. But the problem has been that it's been couched in all sorts of complicated language about complexity, science, and and a million other kind of management uh, gobbledygook uh, formulae, right? So what I decided to do was cut through all that crap, basically, and boil it down so that I can explain this to a millennial. Uh, doesn't have to be doing an MBA, but it has to be somebody who wants to make a difference, right? Because if you don't care, then I, I, I can't help you, right? Because, well, nobody can help you. But if you do care and you're interested, then we can work together. That's, that's the whole idea of Synergize and Project Synergize. So what are the guiding principles behind what leaders should be looking for in, in this book? Well, I've, I've tended to summarize them into two basic frameworks, and uh, they bring the best forward of all the different uh, books I've written so far, the six books. And the number one framework that I use now to explain all of this is what I call the six C's of um, developing your organization. And within that, the four C's of developing yourself as a leader, uh, which, which resonates very much with the kind of work you've been doing, Maureen, in your calls and, and in your practice. So, uh, but let me start with the six C's of the organization. And uh, the first one is context, because the thing that I notice that most managers and leaders do is they try to apply same rule again and again and again to every situation because they think there's a virtue in being consistent. That might have worked in 1960 or 1970, but it doesn't work in 2017. As, the, as we see this incredibly unpredictable emergent environment around us changing literally day by day, 
consistency isn't necessarily a virtue. What is a virtue is being appropriately adapted to the context you're in and understanding the context you're in. Now, this used to be the, pre pre uh, the, the preserve the domain of strategists. So a guy like Peter Drucker was revered and still is probably one of the best management gurus around uh, simply because Peter Drucker always looked at context. He didn't say context. He just looked at it. And he said, well, in this situation, you do that. Situation leadership does something similar, doesn't it? But when I talk context, I'm talking about life conditions. And life conditions in terms of the biopsychosocial conditions that we're looking at. You know, what is going on here uh, physically? You know, has the place we, we're, let's take our headquarters. I'll just take an example. Unilever has its headquarters in Surrey. We're currently doing a project called Thrivable Surrey Partnership and Vision 2050 for Thrivable Surrey, and Unilever happens to be in Surrey, and so we've had a few chats. Now, the question for Unilever is, Unilever can't be sustainable or thrivable if its headquarters and all its factories are in places that are brown, dirty dumps that you know are toxic and have all sorts of unintended, nasty side effects, right, and consequences. So. It's common sense. If you want to be a success as an organization in this day and age, you have to, where you are, the places you're at, has to be thrivable habitats. So the context of that sets the context for your people. Where do they come to work every day? What's it like to work there, right? Do they have a view out a window of a pond or uh, some birds in the trees? Or are they sitting in a cubicle without windows in, under fluorescent lighting like uh, a, you know, a wage slave? Um, and... Just a good example, a simple example of context. So that's different than we've had in the past where uh, I did view my employees as cogs. We fit as many of them in a building as we could. And what happened in the community wasn't my problem. My problem was driving profit to my stockholders based on meeting customer expectations. Yeah, that, that was very uh, 20th century. Uh, and uh, we looked at the consequences of that. We now face a world where, you know, less than 1% of the folks own like 80% of the assets and two and a half billion people are, are really struggling to survive and it's only going to get worse. So you may say, I don't care about that, you know, but if you're in any kind of international business, you have to because your supply chain, your stakeholders, your customers, your shareholders are all increasingly concerned about environmental, social and governance uh, impacts in your business. Uh, to the extent that all the major funds, in fact, uh, something like 10 to 20 percent now, it was 10, I think it's more closer to 20 since I looked at that figure, of investment funds are now looking at environmental, social and governance impacts. So leadership is no longer this hidden place you can hide away and nobody's going to see what you do. Uh, actually, it's becoming incredibly transparent. And the millennials are the final um, they're the end of the line for people who think they can get away with stuff in the, in the kind of darkness um, because they're a generation that demands transparency above all else. And they won't work for you if you don't give it to them. So that's a, and that's a very interesting shift, isn't it, uh, from, from the baby boomers who were much more uh, casual about ethics and values depending upon what was in it for them. <laughs> uh, the Woodstock generation, right? I mean, anything went, anything goes. Well, it doesn't anymore. Which is an interesting shift. So let's go on to then of the six C's, the second is combinations? Yeah. 
Well, so combinations is a very simple way to think about your market and you. So uh, what is a business model? A business model is really a very simple way of, it's a wiring diagram for how you create value between a set of needs and a set of possibilities. And you in the middle are the business creating the value, right? And you're creating value now for all of your stakeholders, not just some like shareholders. So it's not radically different in that sense. But now you need to be creative because what the way the needs are changing and the way the possibilities are changing is happening so fast that you have to be very fleet of foot. We used, we used to call it agile. We used to call it adaptive organizations. But now we're calling it generative, uh, regenerative and generative because unless you're coming up with options and ideas as to how to shift that wiring diagram to adapt to the different needs and different possibilities that are emerging, you, you're not going to get the right combinations. In the book, we use a great example of how the... The, uh, the British intelligence uh, captured uh, some of the coding machines the Germans were using for their signaling, right? Mm-hmm. And the Americans were sending convoys across the Atlantic to supply Britain because Britain wasn't, was basically cut off from the continent, had no food, had nothing. And those convoys were being sunk by U-boats, which were using the uh, Enigma code. So mm-hmm. there was something like uh, a few quintillion combinations. Now, that's one hell of a lot of zeros, right? on this machine, but Alan Turing, the man who invented computing, came up with a method to do this. So what we're using is what we call the uh, cracking the enigma code of the Anthropocene, right? We have this massive challenge. There are lots and lots of combinations that don't work, yeah? And we have to find the one combination in the situation, in the context, that works, that cracks the code. And when you do that, bingo, you're on a, you're on a roll. I mean, that's, that's when you get this massive success. But... You have to obey the next four C's to get that right. So context and combination, very important. Get the right combination, crack the code, but then, then you've, you've got to then play with some of the other C's to tune it, yeah? So let's go through the other C's much more quickly so, so people can, so we have time to get through them in this call. Of course, of course. Of course. So very quickly, uh, the uh, third C is constraints. So what we do is, is with playing with combinations and contexts, you have two kinds of constraints. You have natural constraints, which is the environment, which is the need to regenerate natural capital, the need to regenerate human and relationship and social capital as well, right? And knowledge capital. So unless you're doing that, you're not actually creating a future for your business uh, and you're not being a good leader, certainly not a good 21st century leader. Um, so you have to recognize constraints. Yes, there is such a thing as climate change. Wow, yeah, believe it or not. 99% of the world knows that and is acting on that. Um, and yes, uh, there's not a lot we can do about biophysical constraints. I can't personally go and reforest the rainforest, although there are a lot of good examples in the book of people regenerating rainforests and coral reefs and stuff. And that's turning into a really good business, by the way. But that's a, that's a, that's a whole other story. The second kind of constraint is a man-made constraint. Now, the biggest problem we have today is the man-made constraints we've created around our idea of what business does and how economics works and how economies should grow. You know, infinite growth on a finite planet is a form of insanity, right? So mm-hmm. we've got this weird economic model where we have to keep on growing GDP. Uh, and uh, we, again, we don't have time to go into that. But in the book, we, we go through very clearly how we can eliminate a lot of these self-imposed constraints that don't make any sense anymore and free people up to 
uh, imagine whole new ways of doing things. And that's what the exciting part of the book is about, the, the elimination of those social and human, the mindset constraints that are really um, keeping us you know, stuck in business as usual. So cool. uh, two more, so th- two, two, three more C's. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So let's go Container. to containers. Yeah. A container. Well, think of your organization as a container. Think of anything you do to control, coordinate, communicate as a container. Now, what's, what's happened is we spent a century trying to design perfect organizations. Guess what? There isn't a perfect organization anymore. What there are is organizations that are fit for purpose now under the existing set of constraints or the combinations you've created in the context you're in. But as that changes, what you have to do, and this is where platforms come in, platforms are enabling us to have this call right now. I mean, there's lots of platforms. There's Skype. There's uh, a recording studio. There's uh, all sorts of different technologies that underlie what we're able to do right now just having this call. Um, and there's, you know, social media. There's a million and one platforms out there. In fact, some people are literally not running businesses anymore from offices. They're running virtual businesses all over the planet. Some of the most successful businesses. A very interesting model. And it's, it's growing. So, you can have a container, but how is your container helping you deliver? How's your platform helping you deliver? Forget all the techno babble. Forget all the, 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 the fads, you know, holacracy, sociocracy. There's a million and one things you can tie more ropes around yourself if you want, but I don't advise that. I suggest you stay loose and flexible. Just keep tight on the core principles of you, your business, your purpose, where you're going. And give people the freedom to be generative. We'll talk about that in a minute. So don't be over-constrained by containers and platforms. Use them wisely, but don't, please don't believe in them. They're not, they're not belief systems. They're not religions. <laughs> they're just ways of getting things done, okay? But they so are... The final. Okay, go ahead. Yeah? They, are, they are good at times to provide structure as it's just not a permanent commitment. No, exactly. Exactly. Well, look, look yeah. I and look, we're all human. We all want some predictability in our lives. For goodness sake, we're, we're all, you know, chaos is very uh, energy consuming, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's really hard to live in a chaotic, unpredictable environment because you, on the other hand, crisis accelerates evolution. It accelerates your development. It accelerates your innovation. So while everybody loves to talk about disruption in Silicon Valley, of course, they hate to be disrupted. We don't like to be disrupted because it means when you get up in the morning, you know what's going to happen. And that's scary. So my advice is, yeah, use the things that create the rituals, that create this kind of feel-good factor in your organization. Please, build on those. Don't throw that away. Don't throw anything away unless it's absolutely become redundant and totally useless. But what I'm trying to say is stay loose on that because there are so many options today. And you're, blinding, you're blindsiding yourself if you're looking just at one right way to run an organization Today, there isn't, right? There just isn't. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure that people didn't hear don't use them. But what I hear you saying is there are lots of useful ones, but don't don't over-rely on them. Use them as they were designed and understand that they will evolve as we evolve. Yeah, they're just a method for getting something done. <laughs> cool. You know, there's no, there's no magic to it, right? They're just methods. Invented okay. by a human being somewhere, right? And, and, and whether it's, you know, uh, I've got hundreds of books on, on management and organizational behavior and design on my bookshelf. But I, honestly, I don't believe in any of them. Right? They're just useful 
in the right circumstances at the right time. And that's it. Perfect. I think that's an important distinction. And we're going to go to break and come back and cover the last two. But your point, I think, is is critical. They are part of the art of management and leadership is knowing which ones to use at which times. And when it's time to let go of what I've committed myself to and move to something else because the organization is evolving and maybe because the management frameworks themselves are evolving. So let's go to... Let's go to break and we'll be right back with Robin Lincoln Wood. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We are uh, listening to Robin Lincoln Wood, and we are talking about his latest book, Synergize, for the 21st Century. We've gone through four of the six C's. So, Robin, let's now move to Catalyze. Okay, Maureen. Well, thank you. Um, also, let's, let's just, just recap. We've, we've now uh, been able to identify the context our business is in and the context we're leading in. And so we can be adaptive and appropriate in that context, the, the life conditions, the trends, the forces operating and shifting our, our business and our stakeholders. Then we've looked at the needs and the possibilities. So we've looked at the business model as a way to connect needs and possibilities to add value for all stakeholders. And then the question is simply how you, you allocate value in that, in that process in a fair and inclusive way. Uh, then the third piece is around constraints. So you need to know both how to navigate constraints, both man-made and natural, and understand which are the most important ones, the ones that both you build your business on and the ones that you need to unleash, uh, uh, loosen on on your business and yourself to make progress. Now, then once you've got your container and platform, which is a way of delivering the business through an organization, through a set of processes, through technology systems and, and people and so on, you then end up needing 
to be generative. The, the whole idea of this approach to succeed and synergize is that it's a generative approach to, to management and leadership. So catalysts are come from all angles. They're literally things like a bright idea, something you hear at a cocktail party. Wow, that's, a, that's amazing. I didn't know that. A people, people come into your organization or they, they come from your suppliers or your customers, whatever, and they say, hey, why don't you do this? Think about that. And uh, finally, events, of course, events happen. And uh, sometimes we need to uh, yeah, adapt very rapidly to very fast-shifting events. So rather than regarding catalyst surprises, sudden changes of fortune as a kind of a threat, we should embrace them as a way of being generative in the diversity of, of, of the organization we're creating. Because that's what makes organizations resilient, is, is to have that diversity, generational diversity, diversity of perspectives, diversity of cultures, of, of races, of, of uh, genders, you know, every kind, which way. I mean, diversity is a very powerful thing, but you need to be able to align it and make it coherent to your stakeholders and, and the people in the organization particularly. Now, finally, then, you need connections. How do you scale anything? Well, again, through ideas, people, and events, but now... Think of network theory. I mean, why is Google so valuable? Why is Facebook so valuable? Guess what? They have mapped the connections of you and I and everybody listening to this broadcast in incredible detail at N dimensions. So they know what's important to us. Uh, they're enabling marketers and politicians, which is even scarier these days, to literally make things up that they know we're like. It's called fake news and fake advertising. But now the problem is how do you tell the difference between real and fake? That's a whole different topic, a book, in fact, a friend of mine is writing. But connections are the, the key to scaling, relationships. So, uh, again, we can, we can spend a lot of time on this, but I mean, you've got to think of these six Cs as simultaneous factors that need to be managed real-time online. And the goal is that you want to be able to upstretch your organization, and yourself and your leadership team to facilitate emergence and breakthroughs rather than breakdowns and uh, you know, dissolution, which is what happens when we think we can use some tried and tested formula that somebody came up with somewhere that said, this is how you manage a business in this industry, or we don't even think about it, which is even worse. We take it for granted. We just have a, a bunch of assumptions given to us by the previous owner or the previous CEO, and we it sort of worked for them, so we just carry on. And maybe it will work for a while, but then suddenly something will change, and you'll go, oh, what do I do now? That's when you need the six Cs, most importantly. It goes through that context, combination, constraints, container, catalyst, connections, and think those through carefully. And it's all laid out very clearly in the book, and it's made very accessible. I hope that uh, that, that, that makes sense, Marine. It does, but I'm wanting to dive into a little more detail. Now that I have the six C's, can you give a concrete example of how I might use them? If I'm running an organization that's facing a, a challenge, can you give me a scenario about how you've applied them that our listeners can take away? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I can think of many. I'm just uh, pausing for a second here to think of something that's um, particularly apt for, for your listeners, um, sort of a business and industry and that without revealing any confidences. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll take, uh, there are two examples I can think of, uh, both of which I was deeply involved in for many years. Uh, the one was working in Asia, actually based in Hong Kong, for the company that was involved in founding Hong Kong, ironically. I won't mention its name, but if you're a, an Asia person, you will, you will know who I'm talking about. Um, and they, they were faced with a very simple situation, having been the company that ran Hong Kong, uh, you know, for 150 years, uh, they, uh, they found that the British government had to hand back Hong Kong to China in 1997. Hmm. What were they going to do? How, <laughs> talk about a shift in context, right? And every single one of their businesses, they had about 200 businesses. Uh, to give you some idea of the scale, there were 100 businesses in one group which had turnover of less than a billion dollars. So they were put into a single group to be managed by a single CEO. And when I came in, the CEO said to me, uh, what do you think? And I'd been interviewing the whole top team, about 50 executives. I said, well, I'd, you know, if you don't mind me saying so, your people don't know how to think strategically. He said, I, I, was, I was expecting a pushback. He said, oh, thank God. He said, I'm not the only one. I said, well, because... They, they, they just didn't get that they had to completely change their strategy and their business model and everything. Because when you were part of China, you were no longer part of Britain and Hong Kong, right? And that's, that's a massively disruptive event, as you can imagine. So the, the ability to think strategically, and we applied, we applied a whole lot of other much more sophisticated methods, not the six Cs, which are a simpli simplification of that, uh, to manage the transition and go through a business transformation process with a whole well, more, you know, several handfuls of these businesses that were not doing too well, were not adapting, and were not going to survive. Uh, so that was one example where context, the outside in, because the context combination and constraints are outside in variables. They're strategic. In other words, you don't necessarily control them, yeah? But you have to understand them in depth. You have to really get to grips with the, the fine detail of how that evolution is happening in those outside in factors. The last three C's are much more about the inside out. So you have control over the container and platform you use to drive your business. You have control over the catalysts, what you choose as a stimulus to uh, you know, motivate people, get them thinking in new ways. The connections that you make, you have control again of those connections and which you place in what priority. So for that, I'll give you a second example. Um, ironically, almost at the same time, I was sort of in and out of Hong Kong and Asia and, and Silicon Valley. And Hewlett Packard, Microsoft, and Intel said, we want to create 64-bit computing. Whoa. 32-bit, well, we went from, you know, 16-bit to 32-bit to 64-bit. And they had to create and design the chips. They had to design the software, the operating systems. Then all the apps had to be changed. And they had to design all the hardware. Yeah, the computers, the printers, uh, everything. Everything you use today is based on a 64-bit platform. The internet is a 64-bit platform. So they called me in and said, how do we design a strategy where we have about $100 billion worth of uh, organizations here in a trillion-dollar ecosystem, and we have between us about 500 joint venture managers between the three companies? How do you do that? Well, that was an interesting task. So I learned very quickly how to use platforms to create strategy, how to connect up different organizations thinking real-time online with scenarios very fast 
What if this? What if that? How do we do this? How do we do that? And creating multiple options. So it was a totally generative process. Now, interestingly enough, nobody was saying, we need 64-bit computing. Nobody said that. So it wasn't a context or a combination or a constraint thing. It was an aspiration. It was saying, hey, look what we could do with 64-bit computing. We could change the world, which we did, because the internet wouldn't be possible today without that. And we wouldn't be having this call without 64-bit computing. So, so it, was a, it was a beautiful example of, of those um, last four Cs, containers, platforms, catalysts, and connections. And doing strategy and then the development of those chips, those operating systems, and everything else that goes with, with that, right, what we're using today. Um, and so, again, it, it, it was... It, it was an amazing time. Um, we're still experiencing the, the, the after effects of that. Uh, now we're going into a different challenge, though. The challenge now is not how do we invent the next generation of technology. That's not it at all, despite all the books you might read about that uh, from Singularity University and, and Homo Deus by Harari and dozens of other books in my bookshelf, which I've been getting increasingly depressed by. Because the problem we have is that we've hit the limits to growth. So now we have to find clever ways, which is what Synergize illustrates in spades, how many brilliant new business models are out there that are regenerative and inclusive that are the future. Now, for me, that's the key. You know, six Cs, that's nice. But really the fundamental challenge is how do you create a regenerative, inclusive business model that's going to be around in 10 or 20 years' time or 50 years? My, my test is 2050. You know, Robin, we talk about creating the ability to perpetually innovate. So whatever business model I create now, and I'm assuming you and I are in alignment with this, will will be updated on a regular basis. So I need to be kind of directionally correct and have the in, built-in capacity to update it on a regular basis. So for me, that's mm-hmm. the distinction is not only do I have to have a strategy, but to your, to your point of the six Cs, I've got to have also the ability to evaluate my platform in the context of the organization and really update, given the constraints, given the catalysts, how my model works almost annually. Yeah, at least. And that, for me, seems like it's one of the key messages here is you're providing a framework that allows me as a leader to update how I'm leading and change my organization to respond to the expected and the unexpected shocks. Well, and it has to start with you as a leader. And that's, that's what I call the call of stewardship, which uh, if I might, might, might read something very briefly, uh, which is the last uh, two paragraphs of my book, Synergize. Um, about this, what you're talking about, generativity. Would that, would that make sense? Could I, could I do it that? It does. We have about three minutes to go. Okay, okay. Let me, I'll speak fast. Um, so the call of stewardship guides us toward continuous generativity, toward cultivating fertile ground and manifesting new possibilities for the future, to enable a system to take on a life of its own and help it become truly gloriously generative. The challenge of stewardship is to navigate a thoughtful mix of control, guidance, and nurturing, to tend to both individual and collective and to support the system's wisdom, learning, and enrichment, as well as its accomplishment of tasks and milestones. Along the way, the wise steward questions include, what would bring the most life to this situation? What's the wisdom that's needed now? What seems to want to come to life here? How can I serve this unfolding? 
either by disturbing things, by planting a seed, by cultivating a freshly sprouted initiative, or by compassionately hospicing something that needs to die. Throughout, stewardship embraces uncertainty and invites learning, innovation, and play. It recognizes emergent collective wisdom, developing individual and shared disciplines to listen for the voice of the whole, even as it honors the needs of the parts. Stewardship requires thoughtful crafting of structures and systems. It's necessarily taking a holistic view, which in organizations means linking purpose with passion, brand with culture, and worker with customer and community. And it acknowledges that place, art, and nature have a vital role to play in every sphere of our lives. Wow. That summarizes, and that in and of itself could be an entire course. So one thing I want to do is make sure that if you're okay with us sharing that paragraph and unpacking it a bit on the blog, because there's a lot there. And Mm -hmm. basic ideas like bringing together the whole and the parts and balancing them in the proper balance for any given set of decisions I'm trying to make and what we do and what we stop doing, where, where we're going and where we're leaving and not doing any more, I think are all vital elements to what you just said. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, it, you know, leadership has never been easy, but today it's, it's a hot, it's a hot spot. You know, it, 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 if you want to be a leader, you've got to be ready for the heat. Uh, and, but it, the beauty of it is though, that you can, you can, by being generative like this, by synergizing, you can create outcomes that nobody ever imagined were possible, including yourself. That's, that's what's so exciting about it. And that's a beautiful note that we come to a close on is by synergizing, by doing what Robin talks about here, we have the capacity to create a future that we haven't even imagined yet that solves many of the problems that we are currently facing. And you know, many of us hear all consistently the world's changing, but we don't often hear, and here's a path forward where we can figure out the solutions in our context that solves the biggest problems we're facing. So Robin, just as a close, we've got only a couple of seconds. Where would someone find your book? Well, uh, the best place to go is Amazon. Just type in synergize with an exclamation mark. And it's synergized with an S because it's, it's published uh, in England. So uh, the American synergize has got a Z, as you say in, in the States. Uh, so use an S, synergize with an S exclamation Thank you very much. This, it's a delight to get to hear your voice again. And we're going to record another show soon and continue to explore Synergize. This is Maureen Metcalf and Robin Lincoln Wood. You're listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. And I encourage you to give us feedback. Share what you have learned from Robin today and how you might use that to drive your actions and to become more wise. What conversations are you having with your colleagues based on this conversation with Robin? Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. 
Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. We'll be right back.